Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. In Washington, D.C., a New York man was planning to blow up this 200-pound bomb on the National Mall. They, they just arrested him yesterday. He had sent a note to a reporter about what he was doing and why he was doing it, presumably in the belief that the reporter would wait until after he had blown up the bomb and in the process killed himself to put out his manifesto, as it were. So, you know, you've got a guy who's clearly mentally ill, I, I would say, at the very least. He was trying to blow himself up on the National Mall in order to promote an idea that actually might be an interesting thing to have a conversation about. So we're, I'm going to set aside the guy, the crazy guy. I'm not even going to mention his name and get right to sortition, this political system that he was advocating. Sortition? What's that? Sortition, sortition is the way we pick juries. Everybody who is eligible to be on a jury, everybody who is presumably a citizen and of the age of majority, and different states do it in different ways. Some states, it's off the voting rolls. Other states, it's off the driver's license rolls. You know, it just it varies around the country. But basically, the idea is if you can get a really, really large pool of people and then in a genuinely random way, select from that pool of people a small group that will do the business that needs to be done. In the case of a jury, it's deciding guilt or innocence. In the case of a legislature, it's passing laws. It's governing a country. If you can do that, then you will have a, in the example of the jury or in the example of the legislature, you will have a jury or a legislature that actually represents the community. Now, our juries have not really pulled this off successfully, in large part because they've typically been drawn from registered voters, and registered voters have always tended to be older and whiter, although that may be changing. Brian Kemp's efforts to block 56,000 or 65,000 or whatever it was, largely African-American voters in Georgia from being on the rolls, which we talked about at some length yesterday. But, you know, this is the deal. You know, John Adams in 1776, he said that a representative assembly should be in miniature an exact portrait of the people at large. Now, of course, by people, he was referring to white men back then. But still, you get the point. 
so here we have right now a legislature where 80% of it, 80% of the people in the House and Senate are male. They spend four hours a day asking people for money. Michael Schulson wrote a great piece about this for the Daily Beast some time ago. I think it was a few years ago. The median net worth is $900,000, and about a third of them are lawyers. Now, that it doesn't even begin to resemble the American public, the American populace. So what if we simply put the names, not of registered voters, but of all Americans over the age of, say, 25, into a computer that had the ability to do a genuine random thing, and it pulled out 435 people and said, okay, here's your, here's your legislators. You know, as your random sample gets larger, you tend to get closer and closer to a sample that actually mirrors the population. It's called the law of large numbers. And by the way, this is how ancient Athens did it. The polis was 6,000 people who were drawn by, they actually had a, a machine that got the names out in a way that couldn't be corrupted, which is kind of cool. So if we did this, number one, you'd have a legislature that was 50-50 men and women right off the bat. Number two, they'd be less wealthy, less educated, and fewer white people. Number three, the members would not be beholden to any special interests. And only a few of them would be lawyers. Oh, and you'd have a lot more young people. Is sortition a system, you know, basically, you know, picking our legislators the same way we pick our juries? Is that an idea we should consider? It's kind of interesting. It's, it's almost, it's almost kind of cool, but you know, on the one hand. On the other hand, really, I think you could build a strong case that the biggest problem that we have with our political system right now is money. Cancer in our political system is money from the Kochs and, and these other billionaires, and, and they have just corrupted our political process. But what do you think? Is this totally crazy? You know, keep in mind, the Athenian democracy is what we patterned our democracy after. It's why juries are the way they are. And this is how they did it. This is how the ancient Greeks did it. I don't, you know, I don't know. I think it might be something, you know, it'd be fascinating to see a state try this. But this would require legislators to say, you know, we're going to give up our own power, which is pretty unlikely. So anyhow, I wanted to share that with you. Carol in Manesson, Pennsylvania. Hey, Carol, thanks for watching Free Speech TV. You wanted to talk about sortition? Yeah. Hey, Dr. Tom, how are you doing? I am well. What's up? Good. I got my flu shot today. Oh, good. I got the one you recommended or that you had. Yeah, yeah. People need to ask questions when they go get their flu shot. They do, or any shot. You know, is it possible yes. to get the single-dose vaccine that doesn't have the mercury in it? And is it, exactly. possible, is it possible to get a higher-potency vaccine that doesn't have the uh, adjuvant, the aluminum in it? Exactly. I wrote down what you said and took it with me. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that's not why I called. I called about the sortition. Mm -hmm. The problem I have, what sets my hair on fire when I vote in the midterm votes, I call them the congressional votes. I don't vote for the military-industrial complex. I don't vote for GE or the fossil fuel industry. I don't vote for David or Charles Koch. And yet that's who's making the policies of the people that I'm putting in there. And that just really aggravates me. And if we don't get the money out of this, I don't think that even sortition would work because poor people or average people can be bribed as well as the uh, wealthy people. Yeah. I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot, Carol, and, and it seems to me that we've got to knock down the 1976 Buckley versus Vallejo decision that for the first yeah. time in American history said money in politics is the same thing as free speech and it's protected by the Constitution. There's only two ways to do that that I know of that are actually functional, useful, effective, have been done in the past. 
And the first is to have the composition of the Supreme Court change so that they strike that down. Yeah. We missed that opportunity in 2000. Had George W. Bush not been given the White House by the Supreme Court, and had uh, Donald Trump not been given the White House by the Russians, we would right now have a seven to two liberal majority on the court. And odds are they would have struck that down, but we don't have that. And the exactly. second way is by a constitutional amendment, which is even more unlikely. So the, what I'm proposing, what I'm suggesting, is that the next time Democrats take the White House, the House, and the Senate, they should pass a law expanding the size of the Supreme Court, adding two or four new justices. The Democratic president should immediately appoint those justices with the idea, just like Trump appointed Kavanaugh and Gorsuch with the idea that he'd overturn Roe v. Wade. In this case, it would be with the idea that they will overturn uh, the Buckley decision in Citizens United. They overturn yeah. those decisions and and then Congress can pass laws limiting money in politics, which I believe Congress would actually be enthusiastic about doing. Or, right. Uh, you know, boom, damage undone. What we're seeing now, for example, you take someone as nice as Beto O'Rourke in Texas, mm -hmm. but now all the October surprise money has been rolling in. Yep. And guess what? The most deplorable man in the Senate, Ted Cruz, is way ahead of Beto O'Rourke. Yep. I mean, things like that just really make my previously red hair go on fire. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Carol, thanks for the call. Uh, I, I, we're hitting a break here, but thank you very much. Yeah, I don't think sortition is going to solve that problem. And, and it's, it's uh, you know, it's pretty unlikely to become law. But it's a fascinating thing to know about and think about. We now know what is happening on the Supreme Court as a consequence of Brett Kavanaugh being on it. Uh, had Merrick Garland been on the court, everybody, you know, all the observers of this are, are pretty sure this ruling would not have happened. Tuesday of this week, the first day of the first session of the Supreme Court that Brett Kavanaugh was on, the court struck down a lower court ruling that had struck down a Republican law in North Dakota that made it nearly impossible for tens of thousands of Native Americans to vote in North Dakota. In North Dakota, because of the way mail delivery is handled and because of the way, you know, it's sovereign land versus private land and, and you know, is it part of the United States, is a sovereign nation, all this kind of stuff. For those reasons, principally, and because there's so much poverty, but, you know, mostly actually it has to do with it being a reservation. Most people who live on the reservation in North Dakota anyway, don't have a street address. They have a post office box. We're talking about 70,000 North Dakotans, 20% of the turnout in a presidential election in North Dakota, 20% of the voters have a post office box as their address. So the Republicans passed a law saying that if you want to vote, you must have ID that has an actual physical address on it, not a post office box. It was just a very straightforward way of knocking 70,000 Native Americans off the voting rolls. And a lower court said, this is racist crapola. You know, you can't do this. And the Supreme Court, in a split decision, again, had Merrick Garland been on the court, he would have struck this down. I mean, we, we know this from his record on the D.C. Circuit. But Brett Kavanaugh was like, oh, this is cool. And so with a one-vote majority, they locked the lower court order that was blocking this law, and they put this Republican law into effect. We have seen now the first bit of Brett Kavanaugh doing his thing, and it's obscene, it, in, in my opinion. This is just absolutely obscene. We have this massive uh, hurricane, Hurricane Michael, that just hit the Gulf Coast. It's now heading up through the Carolinas and Georgia and all that stuff, uh, heading up toward uh, D.C. and then New York. And 
in the path, one of the things a lot of us don't think about are the prisoners in the path. Now, prisons are probably not, you know, they're, they're not built like trailer parks. They're not going to blow away. Well, apparently at least one prison has lost part of its roof. But the power goes down. I mean, yeah, they've got emergency generators because prisons are so electrified, you know, all the, the, the gates and locks and things. So they plan for hurricanes, obviously, because this is hurricane country. But still not a good thing or a good time. And in fact, there was a phone banking every couple of days ago to, to get them to move the prisoners, which they didn't do. We've been looking, and Nate was looking around this morning for any reports of any injuries or anything like that. We haven't found any. But if you know of anything that has to do with this issue, you know, give us a shout. This is climate change on steroids. ExxonMobil, who knew back in the 1980s, maybe the 1970s, that this exact scenario or something very close to it would play out if they and their compatriots in the fossil fuel industry continued to market and promote the use of fossil fuels and we all continue to burn them. They knew this was coming. And in fact, for a few years in the 80s, they tried to do something about it. And then they got shut down, or at least then they had a strategy change. And then Mr. Tillerson steered the ship of state. Well, actually, uh, about a decade ago, Rex Tillerson, when he was CEO of ExxonMobil, said, yeah, we're concerned about the climate. We're in favor of a carbon tax. But were they really? No lobbying effort, no PR effort, no. It was just a statement to take the sting out of things. Well, now we've got the situation where, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, I'm gonna present a choice to you. Here we have the situation where the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, has come out and explicitly said that we basically have 10 to 12 years left to cut our carbon usage by about half and take our electricity use well, here's the actual numbers. Let me just give it to you. Greenhouse gases need to be cut in half by 2013 from 2010 levels. The renewable energy must go from 20% of our electricity mix worldwide to 67%. And the use of coal needs to be phased out. The alternative, they say, is catastrophe. Widespread drought, famine, wildfires, conflict over food, wars over land, Wars over fresh water, massive die-off of coral reefs leading to massive die-off of fish in the oceans all around the world. This was written by 91 scientists from 40 countries. And it was in response, actually. This was an unusual uh, report. It was in response to some small island nations that are concerned about losing their existence to climate change. And they said, yep, your, your concerns are valid. So ExxonMobil now has just given a million dollars. Actually, they're paying it out over a two-year period. A million dollars is like, you know, eight seconds worth of revenue for ExxonMobil or something like that. But, you know, they're giving a half million this year and a half million next year to this group, Americans for Carbon Dividends, to support a $40 a ton carbon tax that would reduce the use of carbon in the United States. Now, I don't think $40 a ton is anything close to what's appropriate. I think if the actual cost is probably on the order of $1,000 a ton right now, given how bad things are. Many organizations over the years have recommended anywhere from $80 to $300 a ton. But ExxonMobil's willing to do this. They're willing to go along with $40 a ton. But there's a huge caveat. And that huge caveat 
is that they are saying very clearly and very explicitly that they will do this and they will support this if we give them a waiver of liability. So, you know, the game that they're playing here is basically the game the tobacco companies played, only the tobacco companies weren't able to pull it off. The tobacco companies lied for decades about how poisonous their product was. Same thing with the asbestos industry. They lied, literally lied, you know, paid PR firms, paid advertisements, paid spokespeople, paid phony scientists. The same phony scientists like Singer who's, you know, now, oh, there's no climate change. Right. They literally paid these scientists, many of the exact same scientists, worked first for asbestos, then for tobacco, and now for fossil fuel. And the tobacco companies got nailed for this to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars. They lost their power in Washington, D.C. They got outed. And ExxonMobil is saying, if you'll give us a waiver of liability, if you'll pass a law that says that nobody can sue us, and keep in mind, they're being sued right now by this group associated with Jim Hansen. The people in the panhandle of Florida will have the basis for a lawsuit against ExxonMobil and Coke Industries and all these other companies. I mean, they may not succeed, but they'll have the basis for a lawsuit saying, you caused this or you made this worse. This is the worst hurricane literally in the history of recorded weather history in the Florida area to hit the Florida panhandle, a category four hurricane, never before literally never before. So here's the question. Should we do like South Africa? South Africa, when they decided, okay, we're going to end apartheid, we're going to have a truth and reconciliation commission. If you come forward and confess your sins, you get a pardon. And de Klerk did that, actually. He came forward and said, yeah, I ordered the murder of this guy. I ordered the murder of that guy. He just laid it all out. And they said, okay, fine, you're free to go. And it wasn't just him. I mean, it was many, many people. I'm inclined to think that the fate and future of our planet is more important than revenge. And I realize this isn't, you know, a satisfying, oh boy, we got these sons of whatever kind of feeling thing, you know. But I'm inclined to say, now ExxonMobil is not offering to do a public mea culpa. But to the best of my knowledge, nobody's asked them to. But I would be willing to support a proposal where if ExxonMobil said, yeah, we did this. Here's how we lied. Here's when we lied. Here's what we know. Here's when we knew it. Here are the politicians we paid off. Here's how much money went to the Trump campaign. Here's how much money went to, you know, take your pick, right? A Republican and probably some Democratic members of Congress. If ExxonMobil would lay all that out, and then support a real carbon tax, not just this little $40 a ton thing, then I would not object to that. I would say, you know, it's more important. We've got 12 years. It's more important to get that done than not. So what do you think? What do you think should be done to ExxonMobil and the Koch brothers, you know, Koch Industries and the Koch brothers, and, you know, Shell and Conoco and uh, all these other companies? particularly those companies that have been politically active over the years. For that matter, what should be done to the politicians? The Republican Party in the United States of America is literally the only political party in the world that denies climate change. Well, actually, no, let me, let me correct that. I'm not sure what's going on in Russia. I mean, you know, it's a petro, it's a fossil fuel-based economy. I'm not sure if they're denying climate change or not. 
but they're certainly not supporting efforts like this. But uh, the big one right now is Brazil. They're the seventh largest emitter of carbon. They're the fifth largest population country in the world. And you've got a right-winger who's just about to get elected as president with help from, apparently, the cattle and soy industry, well, which is the cattle industry. Soybeans are fed to cattle, which is the major force for deforestation in Brazil, which is the main way that Brazil is emitting carbon and messing with our atmosphere. And he's saying, oh, we don't care about climate change. So apparently the fossil fuel money is spreading around the planet. Or maybe not. I mean, you know, but let's lay all this out. What do we do? Let's do this. BlindsGalore.com was the first place you could buy custom window treatments online. And because of that, they know what they're doing. They've been doing this for over 20 years and have covered over 2 million windows and know exactly how to get you the right blinds at the right price. They make it easy. They made it easy for Louise and me to go in and order. It was a breeze. It will be for you, too. Blinds Galore's products are hand-built from scratch, delivered right to your door, and created just for your windows. Their expert team is happy to help you every step of the way, either online or over the phone. Plus, they have the industry's best guarantee. If you don't like your custom blinds or shades for any reason, wrong color, you measured wrong, you don't like the style, you can exchange it for another covering for free. Blinds Galore will even set you up with 15 free samples and free shipping on top of the free expertise. It doesn't get any better than that. Blinds Galore makes it easy to get the custom blinds and shades you've always wanted in your home. Go check out BlindsGalore.com and let them know we sent you. That's BlindsGalore.com. Nick in Hemet, California, listening at our Pacific affiliate there, 90.7 FM. Hey, Nick, what's on your mind today? Hey, I can't believe you touched on that about the cattle business. I, I was going to say, what, it's not politically correct or something to speak of this? As a brotherhood of Christian people, you know, we've been telling people for years and years, everybody's going to stop this cattle business, animal eating stuff, because it's one of the biggest uses of water in California, for instance, in alfalfa growing. And as you said, the cutting down of the forest in Brazil is a tremendous rate happening. So I'm just thankful that you're talking about that. I appreciate that, Tom. God bless you. Well, thank you, Nick. Let me add to that that one of the major sources of methane produced in the United States, I think it's second to fracking, is animal husbandry is, I think, what they Amen, call it. Brother. And it's not just Absolutely. cattle. It's, it's also pigs and chickens. And, Absolutely. You know, pre- the whole thing yeah. brother, is, is a mess. Yeah. I mean, All right, Tom. Right on, brother. I'm glad you... I appreciate listening to you. Okay. Thanks a lot, Nick. I appreciate the call. Yeah. I mean, this is what we're doing. Dana in High Point, North Carolina. Hey, Dana. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's on your mind? Hi. I think a penalty that fossil fuel companies should pay instead of a huge fines and in a court settlements for their role in covering up the damage of climate change is to force them to invest in carbon extraction technology, which is hugely expensive, and it requires an enormous capital investment to start building these machines that can take carbon out of the atmosphere. Yeah. There's going to be a documentary coming out from HBO next year that I'm in. We went over to Germany and filmed some of these machines, these carbon capture machines. And the technology is there. But if you look at battery technology, I think that's a really instructive thing. Or solar technology, you know, solar photovoltaic solar technology, particularly in the case of solar technology. 30 years ago, the cost of solar 
The cost to produce electricity from solar power has declined by 97% in 30 years because as the demand has increased, the technology has gotten consequentially better year by year by year and competition. I mean, all these things that, that are actually the useful things that come out of the marketplace have radically dropped the price of solar. And carbon capture technology right now is kind of on the edge. I mean, it costs, depending on which technology you're talking about, somewhere between $50 and $100 a ton to capture carbon out of the atmosphere. Some of the technologies are more expensive than that, but that's kind of state of the art right now. And we need to get that down to $10, $20 a ton or less. And I think it's entirely possible. And it could be paid for you know, with a carbon tax, for example, among other things. Although the carbon tax, the dividend thing that ExxonMobil is in favor of, is returned to the public as sort of a tax rebate. But yes, absolutely, Dana, I absolutely agree. Very well said, thank you very much. A lot of interesting stuff going on. Should ExxonMobil be given a pass? The headline in the New York Times from the editorial board, wake up world leaders, the alarm is deafening. Michael Mann pointed out, you know, the guy who literally invented the hockey stick that made Al Gore famous, University of Pennsylvania scientist, you know, climate scientist. Michael Mann pointed out this report from the IPCC is the consensus report. It is the most conservative. It doesn't include the possibilities of tipping points being hit. It doesn't include the possibility that methane starts getting released really fast in the Arctic. It doesn't even contemplate a lot of positive feedbacks that a lot of people are very worried about, large chunks of the IPCC, but that they don't have 100% absolute proof that it's happening yet. And the IPCC will only put into their reports things that are absolutely proven. But every five years they release a report, and they have since 1988 when they first started. And every five years when they release these reports, every new report, its midpoint is where the extreme freakout point was in the previous report. In other words, they're way too cautious. In every single one of their reports, they've been way too cautious. So this was issued near Seoul, Korea on Monday. One UN official described it, quote, as a deafening, piercing, smoking smoke alarm going off in the kitchen. Unfortunately, writes the editorial board of the New York Times today, no alarm seems loud enough to penetrate the walls of the White House or the cranium of its principal occupant. This was written by 91 scientists in 40 countries. They, the, these small island nations said, uh, okay, you've set this threshold at uh, 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit, 2 degrees Celsius. If we hit that, that's a disaster. That's what you've said. Can we look at what would happen if we moved that from 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit down to 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit? Keep, keep in mind, we've already warmed nine-tenths of a degree. And the panel concluded that, yeah, We've got to go for 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit, one and a half degrees Celsius. If we don't, mass die off of coral reefs, widespread drought, famine, wildfires, conf wars over land, food, and fresh water. In other words, we're going to hit a point in literally 10 to 12 years where the planet, well, by 2030 anyway, where the planet could be, shall we say, hostile to civilization. I mean, there's no other way to describe it than hostile to civilization. I, I, I think that that's the, just the clearest thing. By the way, in Washington State, Governor Jay Inslee, actually, there's a carbon tax on the ballot that the governor is putting forward. So should we cut him a break? 
Should we save the planet? Or should we do everything we can to throw these bums in jail? John in Los Angeles, listening on KPFK. Hey, John, what's up? Hey, Tom, how you doing? Good. Um, just first off, 12 years, okay. By my calculations, I think we have a lot less than that, personally. I agree. And, and um, as a matter of fact, the tipping point should be around seven years, if I'm right. Um, and this problem is a lot bigger than the United States. Is this is humanity. So therefore everyone in humanity is gonna have to do a Herculean effort to get on board to to reverse the damage that's been done. Yeah. And it is possible. I got a bunch of friends and I myself am very good in science and engineering. I've always been good in science and engineering. I, I have, I, hey, I got a 10,000 page plan that can actually take 400 years off of Earth. The problem is, I'm disenfranchised. So I myself can't get it to nobody. Yeah. But I'm telling you, this problem is bigger than the United States. You're, you're absolutely right, John, and, and thank you. You're, you're absolutely right. That, but that said, we are a small country population-wise. We're only 340 million people, I believe. And yet we are the first or second largest emitter of carbon on Earth. We produce about as much carbon as China does with 1.2 billion people, or India with over a billion people. So every American is producing radically more carbon than every citizen of India or China or, frankly, Europe. Riduzone. If you struggle to lose weight, listen carefully. Riduzone works. I've never before endorsed a weight loss product, but I've seen the result firsthand with my brilliant wife, Louise, who, like so many, has had her share of diet frustrations. Losing weight is hard, right? Louise heard about Riduzone. She did her homework, learned it's FDA accepted, and that it helps us lose weight in a revolutionary way. Riduzone comes out of university research that discovered a molecule that helps regulate appetite. When it's out of whack, we're always hungry and crave foods we shouldn't eat. And good luck losing weight when you're already starving on day one. Louise tried Riduzone. She looks amazing. And I've never, never seen her this excited about a weight loss product. Listen, when diet and exercise aren't enough and you want to lose the weight you've been struggling to lose, get non-prescription Riduzone. Go to tryridiozone.com and use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, to receive up to 65% off on your order and free shipping. That's tryridiozone.com, promo code TOM. On the line with us is our old buddy, Congressman Mark Pocan. Hey, Congressman. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Tom. And uh, yes, I was on the road the last couple of days up in uh, Minnesota working on some races in Duluth and the Twin Cities. But glad to be here today. Thanks for having me. Great. I had a couple of questions for you, sir. My mind is blown that Gannett, the largest publisher of newspapers in America, in USA Today, the largest circulation newspaper in the United States, published a, quote, op-ed. Apparently, this was a White House press release that some eager beaver at Gannett thought, hey, let's put the president's name on this and publish this as an op-ed, got permission from the White House and did that, in which literally every sentence 
is a lie. And the vast majority of the lies are lies about Democrats. And these same ads are being echoed in these attack ads that are being paid for by the Koch brothers through Paul Ryan's super PAC that we're seeing. I'm seeing them here in Oregon. We're seeing them all over the country. And on MSNBC on Morning Joe, they were talking about how they just went through this list of race after race after race, where two, three weeks ago, it was really obvious the Democrats were winning. And right now the Republicans are winning because the $300 million that the Koch brothers promised to pour into the elections is now starting to hit the TV stations. What the hell is going on here? Yeah. Well, I think we're seeing it a drop more on the Senate than on the House side, but, you know, it's going to have an effect when you put that kind of money in with the depth of lies. I mean, Paul Ryan's super PAC has been the sleaziest super PAC, I think, in history from what I've seen on the ads they put across. There seems to be no more standards whatsoever and how they're putting things out, attacking people's families, lying about changing their names to try to avoid who they are. I mean, it's just a, a serious distortion of, of reality. But the, one of the big themes they're putting out right now, and I think there's an interesting thing we can do at this time, is going after Medicare for All. They're putting out a, a crazy large price tag trying to claim that it does a whole bunch of things. And as you said, uh, there have been a number of articles breaking down line by line in Donald Trump's uh, column about you know the distortions and lies he put about explaining that. But I, I look at it two ways. One, Reuters had a poll about a month ago where 70% of the people in the country support Medicare for All, including 52% of Republicans. I think they're trying to do a little pushback because they realize this is a popular idea. But two, I was just on a call today and I talked to some of the progressive organizations that we work with as progressive caucus members. And what they said is, you know, a lot of these districts where they're running these ads, people are going to win. And we're going to be able to show that whether you support Medicare for all or not, they're going to accuse you of it. But you're still going to win because the public wants this. And there may be actually uh, a real silver lining to this because we're able to show people that Medicare for All is not uh, a fringe issue or a dangerous issue, but it's actually the mainstream of where the public is. And I think we can use it effectively towards the next session in that regard. So I think it's a huge miscalculation they put out there. But, you know, again, uh, the bigger the lie, the more money they can put behind it is what they're doing right now in campaigns across the country. Remarkable. And finally, before we start picking up phone calls, the Congressional Progressive Caucus, you guys have big plans. You've been fundraising for this Progressive Center. Tell us about this. Yeah, so, you know, on our, the outside, on the 501c3 side, the nonprofit side, we've been working for about a year and a half in changing bylaws, the board of directors, the name of the organization, and for the last four months raising a million and a half dollars, which was our kickoff amount to hire an executive director. We want to have a, a staff on the outside to work with the Progressive Caucus members and the progressive groups around the country to really connect all those great ideas and all the energy in the progressive movement with progressives in Congress where we can actually actualize the change. So we're going to have a couple policy people, a couple outreach people working with the uh, national progressive groups, communication staff, an executive director, development director, full-time fellows going in some of the key members' offices because if we take the majority, we have 13 members of our caucus poised to be committee chairs and 30 poised to be subcommittee chairs, which means we're in a position to govern a whole bunch of goals. But the good news is this has become a reality. Uh, this is kind of taking the old Democratic study group that existed pre-Newt Gingrich. He got rid of it, uh, giving it a, a redo for 2018, 2019. And we're going to be ready to hit the ground running in January with this so we can actually actualize progressive policy change. So we're really proud to announce it. Pramila Jayapal from Seattle and I have been leading the effort, and uh, we're, we're very excited about the possibilities that it's going to have. That's spectacular. Is there any call for action to average citizens, voters? Are you reaching 
reaching out to the public for fundraising, or is this just a, hey, heads up? I, I think it's a heads up because at this point, we literally are hiring the executive director. We wanted to show how serious we were by having pre-funding for a year mm. in the bank before we even put the position out. So we're hiring up right now, hopefully being in place by January. We will do grassroots fundraising down the road. At this point, it's been from foundations, uh, unions, and some individuals who've written some very, fairly decent-sized checks. Uh, but we're going to be opening it up uh, probably in the next several months as we get the staff hired. But uh, we're just very excited to let people know that the progressives are ready ready to hit the ground running in January, uh, so uh, it should be a good session. That is spectacular. So let's pick up some phone calls here. Sure. Uh, Emily in Bullhead City, Arizona. You're on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan, Emily. Hi. Uh, I have a, an interesting uh, take on this uh, article that came out in the USA Today. Mm -hmm. And to me, they put it out the same time that the early voting started to catch all these people going to vote early voting. Ah, uh, to, to, to get them to just vote straight Republican. That makes sense. Congressman? Yeah, so we have rolling voting dates in a few states, but you're right. There was a, a mass that kind of hit right now. I think this is a, a bigger strategy for them that they're, they're desperate. When you look at the campaigns they're running through Paul Ryan's Super PAC, almost none of them are on issues. They're not talking really about health care. They're not talking about good-paying jobs or infrastructure. They're not talking about the culture of corruption in Washington. They talk about personal attacks and going after people's families and arrests they may have had when they were 18 or 20 years old. And I think, you know, this is something where they're, they're trying to get into the policy arena to put something to scare people. But unfortunately, people are already scared that they're going to lose their health care. And that's why 70% of the people support a Medicare for all concept. So I think they're way behind. And this is kind of trying to, to give them some ability to talk about health care in a very obviously manipulated way, since 52% of Republicans also supported Medicare for All in that Reuters poll. They know they're in trouble, uh, and they're trying to put out you know, deceit and lies, but I don't think they're going to succeed, and I think we just have to be willing to stand up and explain this and, and show that the American people really support this issue. But uh, there's no question a lot of what they've done timing-wise with ads in general, especially these really nasty negative ads, have been in, in coinciding with early voting. Yeah. Ben in South Orange, New Jersey, you're on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan. Hi, Congressman. I was just wondering what your thoughts were about Barbara Lee becoming the next Speaker of the House, should the Democrats take over? Yeah, so Barbara Lee is not running for Speaker. Barbara Lee is running for caucus chair. So the way our structure is, we have a few spots at the kind of the head of the caucus as far as if we get the majority to be Speaker. You're talking the Democratic caucus, not the Progressive Democratic caucus, caucus, right? Yeah, no, Democratic caucus as a whole, right. correct. So that would be all the Democrats leaders. in the House. Yeah, assistant majority leader, a whip position, and then we have a caucus chair and assistant caucus chair. Uh, Barbara Lee is definitely running for one of the leadership spots, as are some other progressives. Uh, we're excited to get more progressives into the leadership, uh, but she's not running for speaker, and I don't think she has any intention to, even if it would open up. I think you know she's really very focused on being our caucus chair, organizing our caucus activities. Yeah. Okay. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us and taking your calls for the hour. You can reach uh, Congressman Pocan's website at pocan.house.gov. He is the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He represents the 2nd District of Wisconsin. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan, R-E-P Mark, M-A-R-K, Pocan, P-O-C-A-N. Cindy in Lancaster, California, watching Free Speech TV. You are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. I would just like the congressman to explain how they would pay for Medicare for all, considering we are $20 trillion in debt. 
Yeah, so Cindy, uh, this is one of the great myths they're putting out there, right? They're saying it's this new expansion of federal government that's going to be impossible to fund. And the reality is, uh, right now, we have an employer-based model. Uh, there's a lot of ways that we're going to save money by having Medicare for All system. Uh, first of all, Medicare works very well for the people who currently have it. And uh, if you take away the, the profit motives, if you take away the advertising, you take away the overhead, the administrative overhead alone is about 15% of health care costs, uh, you're going to find all kinds of savings. And it's not that it's going to actually cost more. It's going to have more people covered, and we're going to be able to do it far more effectively. Let's face it, Canada does this. Most of Europe does this. Uh, none of those are third world countries. Last time I looked, what they're trying to do is trying to manipulate the number it's going to cost, not explaining where we currently pay for health care and how a lot of those places would be shifting to pay for that, and yet you'd have more people covered under a Medicare for All system. So glad you asked the question, because that's one of the big myths they're trying to put out there. It's on TV everywhere that's going to cost all these trillions and trillions of dollars. And all you really need to do is look at some of the groups that have done a fiscal analysis, and you'll see why there's actually savings there. The biggest problem we have is we don't have a congressional budget office fiscal note on it because they haven't taken it up as a fiscal note, and that would be the best for us to have as comparison purposes. Right now, we're working with all the other organizations that have helped us do this. But boy, you know, it always seems like we clean up the mess that the Republicans create while they're in government, yet their rhetoric doesn't match their actions. Yeah, if the Democrats are going to clean up the mess rather than doing it like Clinton did by cutting welfare, right. I would much rather see rolling back the Reagan, all the way back to the Reagan tax cuts. America was working really, really well before Reagan, Reagan's tax cuts. And you think there's any chance of that, sir? Well, we offer a lot of those ideas in our annual Progressive Caucus budget, the People's Budget. Uh, we you know, have a new classification for people who are even higher income levels, as well as going back to some of the previous rates. So, you know, we're hopefully going to be, we will be advocating for that uh, as things move forward. I think, you know, for us, Tom, the big question is, do we have the Senate? because we don't, we're not going to have the White House, and what's the majority in the House? A lot of that is going to determine how aggressive we can be. Uh, we're certainly going to talk about it, but the reality is where the votes will be will depend on where the Senate's at and how big of a margin we have in the House. There you go. Rick, in Flint, uh, Texas, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, guys. Hey, Rick. We need to change the messaging on the way Medicare is explained to everybody. Right now, Medicaid is what I'm on for handicapped and really, really poor people. And Medicare is for elderly people and retired people. What we're not getting out is the fact that what we will have will be for everybody, from the very firstborn to the people on their deathbed. It will cover everybody. There will be no more out-of-pocket if done right. You'll be covered, and we're missing the point. Seniors are getting the crap scared out of them that, oh, God, my Medicare will be gone. No, it won't. It will be enhanced. It'll be much better, especially if we go the way Canada has gone. We got to work on the messaging. And that's yeah, well, well, Rick, I think, you know, one thing, when we say Medicare for all, we say the for all part, right? So we are saying it's for every single person. So exactly to your point, that's why we're trying to keep it simple uh, in talking about it in that way. But also, I think, you know, Donald Trump just put this out there that somehow you're going to lose your Medicare. But I don't think anyone's buying it. No senior group is jumping on it. Uh, in fact, he's being called out right and left for his lies that somehow Medicare won't exist. And you're right. We want to actually expand it and make it better for seniors, uh, including things like negotiating for prescription drug prices. So um, I, I think the message largely is out there. They're trying to put this misinformation out there. I don't 
think they're succeeding. Again, not when you have 70% support Medicare for All in Reuters polls. Um, but I, I do think it's important that we talk about it, as you said, that it's for everyone. It's not taking away anything from any senior. In fact, the seniors will have a better program than they currently have, but everyone then will have that same good program. Connie in Darien Center, New York. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say um, when you were commenting that every time a Republican comes in, the Democrats have to come in and fix their mess. I have been saying that forever, and I cannot understand how people cannot see it. I never followed politics that much, but I could see it over and over again. Now I'm wide awake and I'm in politics, but it, it's just, why are people not seeing it? I mean, even your Republican seniors should see that they go after our Social Security and Medicaid, and uh, I just don't get it. Yeah, kind of, you know, and they're just, fine with putting big lies out there, and they put really big money from, you know, Sheldon Adelson and the Koch brothers and others behind delivering those messages that run completely counter to their actions. I think the good news is people are pretty woke right now. This election cycle, I feel like um, the reason that we are as good of a place as we are on the House of Representatives and on picking up a bunch of governorships around uh, the country is because uh, people realize that in 2016 elections had consequences. A lot of people didn't come out and vote. People aren't happy with the direction of the country and the tone of the federal government under Donald Trump and certainly uh, under Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. So this is our opportunity. Uh, to have some lasting substantive change. But, um, you know, you're so right on this. Thank you for saying that, Connie. And, you know, we're trying to get that message out, too, that, you know, so often what they say doesn't match what they do. And that tax bill was like a classic example when 83% of the benefit goes to the top 1% and they increase the debt $2 trillion. And then days later, Paul Ryan says we have to go after Social Security and Medicare. You shouldn't have to say anything else than just that. Debbie in Derry, New Hampshire. Hey, Debbie, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, thank you guys both very much, uh, Tom and Rep. Pocan, for all that you guys do. I, I sincerely mean that from the bottom of my heart. I think the world would be a much better place if we could crone you two. Thank you, Debbie. Okay, now, you're very welcome. Thank you guys again. Um, um, so I have a couple of things. Um, how can we make Election Day a national holiday? Yeah, so, I mean, that's something we could legislatively do, and I think that's a, actually a really great suggestion because too many people, um, we want to have maximum participation of everyone who's legally able to vote should go out and vote. And, you know, Wisconsin used to be one of the top three states in the country. It was Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Maine for turnout. Oregon now with their new system is starting to get up there. And we had the biggest drop-off other than I think it was Mississippi in 2016 because we have a governor who has done things like photo ID requirements and ending, you know, as early of voting as we used to have and doing all kinds of other changes to the process. But, you know, if you had a national holiday, no matter who you are, if you're working two part-time jobs that day and you can barely get around, uh, you wouldn't have to that day because uh, you'd be able to get to vote, which is the most important thing you can do in our democracy. So I think it's a great uh, suggestion, Debbie, and I think we really should be having a national conversation about it. Karen in Hagerstown, Maryland. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, Mr. Hartman and Congressman. I just want to call in to make a comment. I am very, very upset and angry and very, it hurts a lot to see um, Trump at these rallies keep mocking the Me Too movement and uh, women and saying nasty, disgusting things, uh, names he's calling the Democrats. And um, at age 13, I was 
um, molested by a family member, and he has no idea about how hurtful it is and the things he's saying, you know, over national TV all over this country concerning women. This man is not fit to be president of our country. He's destroying this country. All he does at his rallies is just tell nothing but lies. Yeah, well said, and Karen. Karen, first of all, I mean, very sorry for your personal story. I mean, thank you for sharing it. You know, let, let's face it, this president is, is a giant man-child, right? Uh, he acts as immaturely as you could possibly imagine. and He's the most unpresidential president we've ever had in our nation's uh, entire history. And, um, you know, he does a lot of this. I think the best way to uh, be heard is to vote against every single person that he endorses, uh, every single person that supports him. Because if we can turn that back, if we can flip the House of Representatives and flip the Senate and flip those state legislatures and the 10 governorships that we think we can this cycle, we can have the strongest possible statement given to this president that we don't agree with his style, his policies, or his politics. Amen. Jim, in Spencer, North Carolina, watching us on Free Speech TV, you're on the air with Congressman Bokan. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Congressman, my question has to do with the um, Expanded and Improved Medicare Act, House Bill 676, that came out in 2003. Um, currently has 123 co-sponsors, and I'm proud of you for being one of the original co-sponsors sure. of that bill. Now, the question is, is that when the House, when, when we take back the House, how are we going to advance this bill in that the leadership Pelosi and Hoyer, they still have not co-signed this bill. Right. So, Jim, um, I believe in the adage, if the people lead, eventually the leaders will follow. We know that there's 70% support based on that recent you know, month-old Reuters poll, including 52% of uh, Republicans. What we need to do is work with all the organizations that are advancing this. I can tell you what we're doing in Congress is we started a new Medicare for All caucus that uh, Pramila Jayapal and Debbie Dingell and uh, Mark Vesey, um, and I'm forgetting the fourth person, I apologize, have uh, founded. I think there's about 80 members at least already who've joined that caucus. We're ready to put that out there. Um, that bill will likely change a bit in format to because, as you mentioned, that was introduced, what, 15 years ago. Um, it'll probably be a little closer to the bill that Senator Sanders introduced, um, and there's some, probably some good and in, in bad in each bill that we can make the strongest possible bill. But it, we're going to do that within, internally in Congress, working with our outside progressive partners uh, to get this done. And you, we just ask that you work with those groups, whether it be Move On or uh, Indivisible, PCCC, DFA, you know, all the different groups, public citizen that are out there. Work with them so you can have more advocacy in your local community to get your members of Congress to also be uh, willing to sign on to the bill and willing to vote for the bill. But I think we can get this done just given that the public is there. It's a matter of doing the education we need to on the political end. Congressman, before the Bernie campaign, I would never have thought that this was possible in my lifetime. Now I'm thinking it's going to happen in the next five years. What are your thoughts? I look at so many things that when Bernie put that out there, when Bernie proved that you could run on small dollar donations and now campaigns are doing that everywhere and people are rejecting corporate money. I mean, we are seeing so many transformational changes based on that one campaign. And on Medicare for All, I agree. The fact that 70% of people, 52% of Republicans, that's phenomenal. Yeah, it really is. Rob in Bainbridge Island, Washington, listening to KSCR. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. 
thanks uh, to both of you for the great work you're doing uh, regarding informing a larger audience. I have a question really for both of you, but especially for uh, Mark. On your show, you do a good job of detecting conservative and reactionary trolling, uh, and it's usually very obvious. Unfortunately, that doesn't always work, as with the Russians' involvement with the last election cycle. And I work in the area of developing algorithms for various purposes. Is the government actively attempting to develop algorithms that can detect illegitimate influence, in not just in our elections, but just efforts to change policy at all different levels? Political trolling, basically. Yeah, Rob, I mean, so when it comes to elections, there's a lot that the federal government's not doing right now that it should be doing. Uh, We've got plenty of warnings. We know two years ago the direct influence that happened. We know from bringing Facebook and other social media platforms to Congress how it can be uh, misused and why we need to do more to make sure there's not that undue influence from outside uh, characters trying to influence our elections. And yet you see nothing come out of the Trump administration. You see nothing that comes out of the Republicans in Congress to address this. So I think there's much more that needs to happen. Um, Let's hope in the coming weeks that we don't have the same problems in 2016 because we have been more cognizant and uh, in many ways those platforms have been more cognizant of watching and and policing themselves. But uh, there's a whole lot from voting machine security to online social media to uh, other advertising options that we have to be more vigilant about, and hopefully that's something we can do if we take the majority. Russ in Portland, Oregon, you got a quick question for Congressman Pokin? Actually, I just wanted to mention that in terms of the Koch brothers being involved in these congressional and Senate elections, pass on the following. We had a situation here in, uh, in Oregon in 2014 when the Kochs came barrels blazing into the uh, Senate race uh, where uh, Jeff Merkley was running for re-election. And what, what Jeff did was he did a what I call a political jujitsu trick where he simply made the Koch brothers an issue in the election. And he had these ads where you see these shadowy evil figures on the screen and the voiceover said these, these morbidly rich oil billionaires from Kansas are trying to buy your election here in Oregon. And it worked. It, it they could mm-hmm. not move the numbers, and they pulled out. Okay, so, we, have, we have 40 seconds for Congressman Pocan's response. Yeah, Russ, uh, I was just in uh, Minnesota's 8th Congressional District, the most northern uh, part of Minnesota, where Joe Radinovich is running for Congress in the seat that Rick Nolan is stepping down. It's an open seat, the seat that Trump won. And there's a ton of money from Paul Ryan's super PAC that's funded largely by Sheldon Adelson. Here's what they're using, and I think it's effective. There is one donor from Minnesota to that pack that gave $250, and they're spending millions against this guy. So this isn't about voters in Minnesota or wherever someone lives. This is about really rich people like Sheldon Adelson trying to get even richer, and the Republicans are more than glad to do that for him. And I think you're right. The more we expose that, the more they'll understand those are just lies and not about uh, local values. Congressman Pokian, thanks so much for being with us today. Of course. Thank you, Tom, as always. Really appreciate it. Look forward to next week. Yeah, Thank you. Care. Thank you. Congressman Mark Pocan, you can check out his website at pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. He is the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. They have their own website. You can drag it down. And, of course, he represents the 2nd District of Wisconsin. Take one atom of nitrogen and bond it with one atom of oxygen, and boom, you just created nitric oxide, a miracle molecule your own body makes that fuels your cardiovascular health, keeping you vibrant. But as we all age, our bodies need help generating more natural nitric oxide. Super Beats by Human N 
has harnessed the power of nutrient-enriched beets and created a superfood that helps your body make more nitric oxide on its own. The core philosophy of Human N is to develop heart-healthy products for your body. One teaspoon of Super Beets daily supports your cardiovascular health and blood pressure levels, giving you natural energy without the need of a quick caffeine kick or sugar high. We're talking real. We're talking healthy, natural energy. Call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats and free shipping with your first purchase. Feel the 1 plus 1 equals boom effect of Super Beats. Call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com today. Let's check in with Talk Media News, find out what's going on in the world today. This report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and loving what you do. Alan Ratner's new book, Luke Vargas, is on the line with us, the chief foreign correspondent for Talk Media News, uh, live from the United Nations. You can follow Luke at The Courier on Twitter. Uh, Luke, uh, the death penalty, uh, we're, we're getting some good news here. We are both from within the United States and outside of our borders, outside of our borders, the decision impacting many more people is that Malaysia, uh, their new uh, president, their new old leader, who's I believe in his early 90s, says, look, uh, we are going to set in motion beginning on Monday legislation to outlaw the death penalty. And for now, there's an immediate halt to 1,200 planned executions, Malaysia, a country that uses hanging as a punishment for a whole range of crimes, including things like drug trafficking, which I think we could agree does not rise to the severity of execution, let alone any crime, perhaps. Um, Amnesty International praising this, calling this an astounding turnaround for a country that had really clung to this policy. I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that Malaysia has been trying to free a number of its citizens who are on death row in other countries, and they found Unsurprisingly, you have little standing to make that case when you kill people in your own criminal justice system. This Mm. is, I think, a great development. And then Washington state has now become the 20th state in the United States, plus the district and Puerto Rico to also ban the death penalty. The Supreme Court in Washington today saying this was an arbitrary uh, type of policy. It was not applied with any consistency and was often racially motivated. And I have to say it's part of I think, momentum behind this. Unfortunately, it's limited, it seems, to blue states. You know, since 2007, we've seen New Jersey, New York, New Mexico, Illinois, Connecticut, Maryland, Delaware, and now Washington all ban the death penalty. What do those states have in common? So this is uh, a trend. I just would hope it leaves blue states at some point and uh, people's their conscience is, is peaked here. But again, a great day of progress. One day on the heels of the UN's day against the death penalty, you see a major state and a major country uh, reversing course here. I think it's a great development. Remarkable. The uh, Orthodox Church, and I, it, is this the Russian Orthodox Church, uh, the Greek Orthodox Church? There's the Coptics, the, 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 the uh, Egyptian Orthodox Church uh, have, has granted autocephaly to Ukraine's church, which sounds like a genetic brain disorder. It but. does. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, this is a big development uh, for Russia and for Ukraine. This is the Orthodox Church based in Constantinople, their patriarch, ruling today after years of appeal from Ukraine. Now, just worth pointing out, Ukraine, one of the largest Orthodox populations in the world, uh, their church has been under the control of the Moscow-based Russian Orthodox Church. So you see the patriarchs of Moscow appointing the leaders to the church in Ukraine and for centuries calling the churches in Ukraine that don't want to be under Moscow's influence schismatic, right? The Ukrainian priests who are part of the Orthodox faith, you take them out of the Russian church, the Russian church becomes 
much smaller. Uh, and so it's oh, a, interesting. Sort of a contest for power. Power. It reminds me of a, you know, a history textbook. It seems like an issue that uh, we wouldn't be dealing with in 2018. But there's a lot of uh, sort of Ukraine-Russia politics at play here. And it seems Ukraine has come out in the winner. Yeah, fascinating. And then this uh, Chinese spy and, and all the corporate espionage against the United States. What's going on with this? Yeah, his name's Yu Yan Jin. He was arrested uh, in Belgium earlier this year and extradited to the United States on Tuesday, accused of economic espionage, attempting to steal trade secrets from General Electric Aviation and another firm, which likely is Boeing. Um, this is uh, what experts are calling sort of an increasingly common Chinese strategy as U.S. and international firms realize they need to be very careful with their own data privacy when their executives go to China. They're wary about doing sorts of various sorts of information, you know, sharing with the Chinese. And so you're seeing an increasing pattern where there are intrusion efforts, you know, in American biotech, defense, pharmaceuticals, transportation. You see sort of Chinese intelligence assets trying to infiltrate those companies, recruit people from those companies to come to China for meetings and then take some of their data there. And it really cuts against the whole sort of professed China, made in China trade strategy, right? They're trying to say, hey, we don't want to be relying on the U.S. and other countries for some of our key industries. Right. Well, it seems like uh, one way to, to do that is to sort of tap into the American brain power a little bit. At least that's the ac accusation. Let's see. I mean, I think we're going to hear a lot more of this between now and the midterms. I don't think it's coincidental. This administration uh, has been talking a lot in recent weeks about Chinese attempts to sway the election. Uh, are going to, you know, this guy had been <laughs> detained in Belgium since March. I'm, you know, I wonder if there's some, you know, timing here to have another bad news story about China. Uh, just a few weeks ahead of the midterm. Oh, that's interesting. So you think Trump might have pulled this out of the hat for political purposes? I'm not accusing him, but I would keep your eyes on the headlines. See how much <laughs> more anti-China stories we get the next few weeks. There you go. Luke Vargas, you can follow him at, uh, on Twitter as The Courier. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Tom. And thank you for being with us today. It's uh, been a fascinating day. It seems like every single day in Trump world here is, uh, has, has its ups and downs, shall we say. But anyhow, we've soldier on, right? We continue. This is the place where despair is not an option. Get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.